Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnets. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning, this is Phil here and you're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR. Thanks heaps to Yarrabug for another fantastic show. Um, up today we're going to um, have a bit of a chat about uh, some skills uh, around activism. So we're going to talk about digital security and uh, have a guest in the, uh, on the phone named Glenn Todd from Action Skills. We're just going to listen to a quick little uh, promo and then we'll have a chat with Glenn about digital security. Which base provides key information for every US drone strike, played a crucial role in Iraq and Afghanistan wars, as well as providing targeting and surveillance information for the Israeli Defence Force? Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back. War is terrorism. It's the Pine Gap Joint Defence Facility, located just 20 kilometres from Alice Springs on Arundel Country, and this year marks 50 years of its inglorious existence. Come and join the Closed Pine Gap protest near the gates of the base from September 26 to 30th. For all the details, head to closedpinegap.org. Getting quick to book your early bird bus ticket from Melbourne for just $200 return. That's closedpinegap.org. See you there. Closed Pine Gap is a 3CR supporter. What is terrorism? Great stuff. Looking forward to that action in September. Um... On the phone today, we've got Glenn Todd, who is an uh, activist who's done a lot of work with Friends of the Earth. Notably, um, he did a fantastic project with our anti-nuclear uh, and clean energy collective of mapping nuclear sites around Australia. But today, we're going to talk to Glenn um, as the uh, founder of Action Skills, a organisation dedicated to the training on upskilling of activists around the country. Um, and... Glenn is joining us on the phone from New South Wales. Hello, Glenn, are you there? Hello, how are you, sir? Yeah, very well, mate, very well. So digital security is, is, is a really important thing, but I don't think activists are really taking it seriously. We uh, hear a lot about the infiltration of groups by uh, agents in, in the real world, and in light of all the things that um, Edward Snowden has uh, released around the NSA and, uh, and the PRISM network is collecting so much information on everybody... Why do you think that uh, activists aren't really taking digital security so seriously? Uh, I just think it's part of the general um, lack of skills with computer technology generally. And we've been very fortunate that the police and authorities have been very slack and um, not very good at this either, although that's changing very rapidly. They're putting lots of money and investment into digital security from state police, federal police, ASIO. Uh, state police have been investing heavily in hacking software and we can see that they're um, really upscaling. So we now need to promote within our communities and we also need to upscale to protect ourselves from that threat. Sure. So there has been a, a kind of rising culture over the last couple of years of uh, these things called crypto parties. 
I remember um, it must have been about four years ago, um, I went to a crypto party with you, Glenn, in Melbourne, and, and we're quite nerdy. And even we found it too overwhelming. Why do you think, how, what, what, is, is that part of the problem, do you think, that uh, it's just too complicated for people? Uh, yeah, four years ago when we went to that party, it was too complicated. And I also think about two years and even one year ago, it was too complicated. Uh, a lot has changed, though. We've got people like myself that are translating the geeky stuff to English and normal language for people. But then also technology is progressing. We've got things like Signal, which does encrypted messaging on your phone, which is just easy to install. You just install it like an app. So some of the really complexities... Uh, in the past, I mean, they're still there, but there's uh, there's a lot of things that are real quite easy now for normal layman, uh, layperson to do. Sure. So I noticed on your um, on your website, you talked about everyone getting involved in digital security, not just activists, and um, developing this idea of uh, herd immunity. I wonder if you could unpack that for our listeners a little bit. Okay, so it's a bit like a concept of they're looking for a needle in a haystack. So if you could just do an X-ray over the whole haystack, it's very easy to find that needle, which is how they're operating at the moment. And if that needle is something that, there's, say, a peace activist, for example, that's a very bad scenario for us. So if we encrypt every bit of those straws, including our discussions with our mum about our laundry, uh, it means that they can't just easily X-ray that haystack and that needle becomes very hard to find. So just by everybody in the entire network encrypting, uh, our messaging it means that they they then have to go to, to old school traditional policing, which is to get a warrant, do an investigation, and actually uh, do the police work rather than just automatically scanning the haystack. Sure. And you touched on Signal there. And um, a bit later on, let's talk about um, four things that um, every activist can do, well, probably every person can do to make their um, their digital life a little more secure. But now, like I, I wanted to um, touch on that idea that um, that everyone needs to do it. There's a program called Tor, um, which is a browser that uh, basically hides your uh, behaviour online, and that requires uh, more people to be online about it. Would you be able to explain to people a little bit about Tor? Okay, so uh, Tor works by jumping between lots of different users and encrypting along the way. So it creates such a long message that you cannot reverse engineer that. Uh, the actual specific technologies um, you'll be able to find online. Uh, but the concept is the more people that use it, the faster it becomes. So it can be quite slow in Australia. Uh, so the more people that start using that, then the faster and more efficient that technology will become. It's a bit like BitTorrent. The more people using BitTorrent, the more efficient and faster it becomes. Mm, and I remember during the um, the uh, some of the uprisings during the Arab Spring and the um, Occupy movement, um, the Tor network was actually quite fast because there was a lot of people encrypting the uh, the work that they were doing. Yeah, so a lot of these technologies work by scale. So the more people use them, the the more efficient they become. Mm. So one thing that um, you showed me the other day was uh, this website called I Know Where Your Cat Lives. And uh, it really like hit for me the fact that there is so much information online and it is really easy to pull all that information and, and really start to paint a picture uh, um, of people. Um, a website like that, um, you know, what, what sort of level of uh, information do you think is like really easily gleaned off someone's phone if they're, uh, if they're not encrypting their phone? Depends if the, they've got access to the actual phone itself or whether it's your communications. Um, so the I Know Where Your Cat Lives is a site that scrapes photos off the internet and uses the location data um, to 
and the subject of cats to pinpoint where those cats live as a demonstration of, of say, how that could apply to children. So uh, most phones, if you've got the settings turned on on your camera, will actually give that location settings data in the actual um, photo itself. So if you're taking photos of your children, for example, and posting them on social media, uh, somebody could actually pull those photos down, find the location, and then find the location of those children, for example. So first step would be to switch off location details of your um, images, for example. Yeah, that's scary stuff, isn't it? Um, and, you know, like uh, Facebook and whatnot, you know, encourages to uh, tag, put the location in and uh, and the and the and um, tag the people. Um, I noticed yesterday when I was uploading some photos um, from the Anarchist Book Fair, um, which I took with consent as per the Safer Spaces policy, um, sorry, side note, but um, Facebook um, was asking me to tag people and it was suggesting people. Is that saying that Facebook is using some sort of facial recognition technology in it? Facebook's one of the world's leading researchers in facial recognition technology. And the interesting thing with Facebook is their business model is not to sell um, a subscription fee, it's that they sell data, so they sell you. So that um, facial recognition technology is being sold. Uh, Who to? Well, it's a private company, so who knows who they're selling it to. So, yeah, when you're tagging your friends, um, you are actually adding to that data that they sell to other people. Mm. And, and, and all this stuff is really scary, um, but um, as activists, these tools are really important to us. So um, it feels like there's this real tension between wanting to do the right thing digitally and uh, and uh, um, and and join that herd immunity, but also to be able to uh, to organise. How, how do you think we can balance that uh, kind of tension? Uh, yeah, it's a really uh, good point because you know an ultra paranoid uh, and technically secure uh, activist is actually going to be less effective because you know, there's certain tools that uh, such as Facebook that aren't good for organising. So I think it's really a case of using common sense. So learning about the technology and then learning how to use it wisely. So for example, you may use Facebook to advertise your events and to organise on it, but then you wouldn't use it as a core organising tool and you definitely wouldn't put anything sensitive up there. So, yeah, so it's about, um, you know, using the technology, um, but then really being street smart and thinking about how you're using it and what sort of data you're putting on these technologies. Mm, and Facebook's one of those things, isn't it, that if even if you're in a, uh, a secret group or a private message, really that information is not secure at all, is it? Uh, the, under law, if the Australian police put a uh, warrant on to that information, then they legally have to give that to them, uh, and they will give them to it. Um, they have a direct relationship with the um, American intelligence community, so we would assume anything that's on Facebook is accessible by uh, the authorities. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um so I wanted to start to look at, uh, you have this great list of um, four things that everyone should be doing to, uh, to start to communicate more uh, securely online. And I just wanted to slowly go through those things, um, making sure we get like a little bit of detail about how people can actually implement rather than just talking about these things, which seems to happen a lot. Um, so do you want to go through those four things and then maybe we'll just go through them one by one? Yeah, so I've got a few things. So, so maybe we'll just start and then we'll see how much time they've got. Great. So the first thing is to install encrypted messaging. So that means that your text messages are encrypted, uh, which means that they can't be spied upon. Um, so Signal, WhatsApp are two uh, trusted ones at the moment. 
And also you may have heard of Wicca, which uh, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull was using while um, implementing the non the technologies to spy on us. So install one of those three, we, we recommend Signal, um, and then start using it. Re- um, get your mum to install it, and, and let's say when you're talking about the washing, the um, ASIA will be sitting there getting really worried about what that message is with your mum. And I, I remember installing that on my uh, Android phone, and you could actually replace the messaging, uh, the the primary messaging app uh, for the for those. So even those people without Signal, when they message you, those messages would still come through. It was it was really easy and um, really really quick and easy to install and quick to integrate into your life. The other next thing is to be smart about your passwords. So start um, learning about secure passwords. The most people have really easy passwords to crack. And from experience working with hacked websites, it's mm-hmm. generally a, a dodgy password. So start using long and um, passwords with multiple characters. I mean, if you just Google secure passwords, you'll find that sort of stuff. Um, or DuckDuckGo. Um, <laughs> and we also recommend using uh, password managers. So the problem with that is you're putting all your eggs in one basket. However, it's not humanly possible to remember a lot of secure passwords. So we're recommending that you find um, password managers such as um, Dashlane, 1Pass, um, LastPass, which then puts all your passwords into an encrypted system. So then you have to remember one really long good password and then all of your secure passwords are within that. So it helps you uh, remember all these complex passwords that you're going to need to implement. Mm, sure. I heard um, a really good tip around passwords as well was to uh, use things like uh, the first letters of the lyrics of songs to remember. So Mary had a little lamb, M-H-A-L-L. <laughs> I think that was right. <laughs> Need to write it down. Or things like that to try and do it rather than using um, names of people, um, places where you were born or like to visit and dates, birth dates as well. Something Your children's people name and birth date. hack. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I recommend having long passwords. So uh, 14 characters is far more secure than 12. Mm-hmm. So even if you're writing a sentence out, if you've got a 24, 32-character password, it's far more secure than a random 12-character password. Yeah, wow. So you might, may, may write yourself a sentence with a few like random stuff in there, and you'll, that's a secure password. Yeah, sure. Um, so with one question I had around those uh, um, those uh, last pass and dash lane kind of... Uh, uh, password managers, they some of them embed themselves within browsers and so they automatically come up and, and offer those things. Are they really secure given that we know that uh, um, uh, like programs like FinSpy, which is used to spy on activists um, and used in Australia by the New South Wales police, um, actually embeds itself in the updates of things like Mozilla and Chrome and iTunes? Okay, so uh, to answer those, it's more about understanding that security is not perfect. Um and there's always a trade-off between convenience um, and your skill level and security. So what we're talking about today is for beginners to try and get people to the first level or first couple stages of really good security. Um, if you've been hacked and targeted by something like FinSpy, then they're actually logging your keystrokes. So at that point, pretty much anything you do is, is um, being hacked. Um, what, what we're trying to preach is that we secure our systems before those so that you don't get infected by those sort of things in the first place Mm, yeah so the next thing i know um you had was around um encryption which is one of those things that um that turned me off when i first started looking at uh at a um 
at a digital security stuff. Um, so what is encryption? Okay, so encryption is just using fancy mathematics to lock uh, data with a password. So it's a lot more complex than that, but that's all we really need to understand. The other thing we need to understand is, is it, is it secure? And the Snowden leaks has revealed that the US authorities can't crack current encryption. That's not to say that their technology won't change and they may in the future. But generally, even if they can crack it in the future, it's going to take massive computer resources. Um, we're talking about huge supercomputers, long periods of time to crack um, encryption. So it does work. And even if it stopped working, it's still um, quite hard for them to crack. And and there's a few different ways that um, you can encrypt, isn't there? So um, you can encrypt your hard drive, um, you can encrypt your phone, but you can also encrypt folders as well? Yep. So um, on a Mac, it's very easy. You just switch encryption on. Um, and I know on Android phone, you just switch it on. Um, so I assume it would be similar in Windows and Linux. Um, mm-hmm. Now, it's also important to, ha- to learn how to make encrypted folders on your actual hard drive because they're fundamentally more secure. Um, so, for example, I've got an encrypted folder with my passwords in it and any sensitive docs you may have, so you would have that encrypted uh, folder and on an encrypted system. And I also recommend that you encrypt all your external hard drives as well. So in, in a scenario where drives get stolen or, or um, are in the wrong hands, then they can't actually access any of that data. Sure. So I know on um, on Linux, I'm a um, avid Linux user. It's as easy as going into settings and saying encrypt hard drive. Yep. <laughs> it's it's not hard I mean. to find as well. And in Windows, it, it's very similar as well. And I know uh, for iPhones and Androids, it's really, really easy to do. All it really requires that you've got your phone plugged in at the time when you're doing it. And I think it takes you know anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour to do it, but it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, so there's, there's two points there. One is if the, that data gets in the wrong hands, then they can't can't access it. But I do want to stress, make sure you've got a backup system in place. If anything goes wrong with the encryption or if you forget your password, <laughs> then you will not get your data back. So it's very important. So you may want to write down your fancy new long password that you've just discovered and you may want to, on paper, and you may want to hide that in a safe location in case you forget your password and... Always have backups in place before doing encryption, just in case something goes wrong with the technology or you, or you, do, you misunderstand it yourself and do something wrong, then you make sure you don't lose your data. Sure. One thing I don't know how to do is to encrypt a folder, which you touched on before. Can you, can you walk us through even how to do that on one platform? Because they're generally quite similar. Okay, so on a Mac, you, you go to a folder on your desktop and you right mouse click and choose encrypt folder. Oh, wow, it's that simple. <laughs> I feel really, really bad for never doing that before. And I, I remember you were telling the, um, the, uh, um, the story of, uh, you know, like of uh, the um, deniability, like in terms of uh, if you forget passwords and things like that, if you're compelled to give evidence in, in court. Well, you maybe don't <laughs> want to talk about that on radio. <laughs> Yep, so, so in court, uh, you legally have to give passwords. Um, so that would be your choice, uh, obviously, with legal advice in that context. Um, however, having random encrypted folders, there's less, um, less argument that you know that password. So you're, you're obviously going to know your main password opening a computer, but then it is debatable in a court of law if that random encrypted folder on your hard drive whether you actually got the password to. And we all know how easy it is to forget a password. <laughs> yes. Sure. And um, the last point I was going to touch on was um, VPN. I don't even know what VPN stands for. 
Um, I don't think it's a virtual private network, I think. Um, however, the, the technology, basically what it does is it creates an encrypted channel between your computer and another server on the internet. So generally they're in other countries. So you may have one in the US or one in Switzerland, for example. And so what that does is when you surf on the internet, your internet connection will then be in that country rather than Australia. So the really important thing about a VPN is it stops all the Australian spy programs, the, not all the Australian, but the um, metadata collection that the government's just implemented. Because you're not in Australia, they, they can't snoop on your data. You're, you're coming from another country. It also means if you want to watch, say, a BBC series um, and you're not in, in Britain, you could ping into a VPN that's in Britain and therefore you're or coming on the internet from Britain, so therefore you'll be able to access BBC. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, you just added a, an, an extra benefit for for actually going down and taking that step. Yeah. Uh, in that context, it won't stop any sort of targeted um, investigation. So if the authorities are, are watching you specifically, then a VPN um, will make it a little hard for them, but not much, because I'll just literally follow your VPN connection and find where that's coming out, which is why Tor is a... Uh, a much higher level of security because it will actually encrypt that channel a few times through different systems. Mm. Mm. thing I is, Tor can get slow, um, and a VPN will slow your connection slightly. Um, so if, if, if uh, Tor is too slow for you, um, for your day-to-day -day activities, you may use the VPN. Sure, and and you can um, easily search for VPN to find um, heaps of providers, and I think they start around ten dollars a month or something like that. Is that right? Uh, I'm paying seven dollars a month. Um, it's also important to have a look at what companies and who owns those companies of mm. the VPN providers, um, and maybe have a bit of a search around for ones that are trusted by security geeks. Yep. Um, remember, so remember, with all this sort of stuff, there are geeky people that are doing all the hard research for us. Um, and, what, and learn about cryptology and all the really hard stuff. So if you sort of Google and find um, blogs and things that um, are written by these geeky people, then they can shortcut and tell you the stuff without you even needing to understand the technology. Yeah, it's kind of hot tip number one for anyone doing anything. Like, just ask a question to Google or DuckDuckGo, which is an alternative to Google who have a huge network and are part of the PRISM network as well collating all data on us. Glenn, if I was interested in finding out more about these things, is there somewhere I can go to um, read any resources? Uh, yep. There's, I've just half-launched a, a guide on security at actionskills.org forward slash resources. Okay. Um, and there's also on there some links and things where we've, we've got other organisations that are also um, writing about this stuff. And then... Um, DuckDuckGo, um, which is alternative to Google, is a great way just to search for things. Um, and I do also recommend the Crypto Party um, that Phil touched on at the start. And basically, Crypto Party is a bunch of geeks that are really good at this stuff, and they're really keen to teach new people this stuff. So you can take your computer and laptop along, and um, you can ask as many stupid questions, and then there'll be some geeky people that'll be really keen to help you implement and um, look at and hold your hand while doing that. So I know it's very active in Brisbane, for example, and they have them in Melbourne. So have a look for the Crypto Party uh, movement, and if there's none coming up, then maybe help organise one, because I'm sure if you do the legwork of organising an event, there'll be heaps of geeky people keen to come and support you.
Great. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Glenn, and uh, um, we'll hope to speak to you soon. Um, that was a really like a dense show with a lot of information on it. Um, we're going to put some links up on uh, on the 3CR website underneath um, where you can view the uh, broadcast and listen to it again if you want to um, catch some of those hot tips. Remember, we're getting good passwords, encrypting our phones and hard drives, installing something like Signal and, uh, and putting VPNs on. And I challenge all of you to go and do that today and start being uh, a little more secure in the way that you are communicating online. Um, thanks very much. Great to uh, be with you today. Um, coming up next, we've got uh, Black Box, so stay tuned to 3CR.